This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. It's Rich, My Take Radio, episode 81, for Thursday, March 3rd, 2011. The intro music you just heard was Street Fighter II, Frets of Fury, and the artist was Vertex Guy. You can download that and any of the other previously used intro music at ocremix.org. The letter O, the letter C, remix.org. The call-in number is 347-324-3541. Again, that call-in number 347, excuse me. 324-3541. All right. Coming off last week's interview with Chad Gaspard, the uh, MMA March Madness begins with a ton of MMA events going on in March, including the UFC on Versus event, which is going on right now and should probably be wrapping up. Um, we're going to try and get different people from the MMA community, fighters, uh, journalists, bloggers on the show, along with all our other guests, as well over the course of the next month just because there's so much going on in the world of MMA and we want to try and cover it as much as possible. Of course, my guest this evening will be Bloodstained Lane. Uh, He's a video blogger who has a really brutal and honest view on the sport of mixed martial arts. Um, You can check out his channel on YouTube. It's youtube.com slash the team takeover. Bloodstained Lane is out of New York. He pulls no punches. He doesn't give a fuck about anything. Um, He just shares his honest views on the sport. And sure, nobody agrees with everything he says, but you know what? Um, We need more honesty out there, and he does a fucking great job of doing it, so I look forward to having him on. Um, Also, this past Wednesday, I did a guest spot on the Community Voice podcast, their their 36th episode, Um, if you want to check that out. um, I will be doing a post. I will be doing a post on it later on, probably between tonight and tomorrow. But if you want to get instant gratification, head over to the communityvoicepodcast.podbean.com, and it's the first episode, episode 36. Um, I was not able to be joined by Philosophy, who is one of the hosts for the show, but I did do it with uh, Dell and Mellicat, so check that out either on our page or, like I said, head over to the communityvoicepodcast.podbean.com to check that out as well. A couple of other things. There are some new posts on mytakeradio.com. The newest one I actually put up was the motion poster for the new Thor film, um, which actually looks really badass. I was actually very impressed at the way they did that. I've never really seen motion posters um, executed so well. It was subtle and to the point. Um, You can check that out as well as probably an Archer post from Slick later on this evening or tomorrow for this, le- for this new episode of Archer, and of course some other posts that will be coming along between tonight and tomorrow as well. Um, there's also a couple of new members in the forums, so definitely want to throw a shout out to those guys. One thing though, at the end of March, I will be doing another purging of the forums. 
usually for accounts that have been a that have not been active for over 90 days. Last time I did it was in December, so March 31st. I will be doing it once again. If your account has not been used in 90 days, um, either stop by and you know use your account, or if you have some shit going on and you can't use it, by all means drop me an email or a private message and let me know, and I will keep your account live. If not your accounts will be purged on March 31st. So giving you guys fair warning. You've got a decent amount of time to, you know, let me know not to delete your account or to just interact in the forums. Check that out. Of course, our Facebook fan page, we are well past 700 fans, slowly scraping our way to 710. So definitely a quick shout-out to all our new fans. Welcome, guys. Definitely recommend you guys, if you haven't, stop by our Facebook fan page and, become a fan. It's facebook.com slash mytakeradio. Of course, got to always throw a shout out to our content partners this week in wrestling's podcast, as well as MMAValor.com, which of course is one of the USA Today MMA blogs. And not only that, he's just a great colleague and a good friend. So definitely check out MMAValor.com and this week in wrestling's podcast, either on iTunes or via their website. In addition to that, the MTR t-shirt store is under construction. I decided to take down all the shirts that we've done uh, just because there's going to be some changes to the designs, and I really just want to put out something fresh and new, so keep an eye out for that. I will be relaunching the designs probably within the next two weeks or so, and we'll be able to proceed with that. There's also going to be some new designs coming from Born Stubborn Radio that you'll be able to pick up in the MTR store as well. All right. Some of tonight's topics, of course, I want to discuss this past weekend's UFC 127 with uh, BJ Penn and John Fitch in the main event, and of course, Jorge Rivera and Michael Bisping. I actually want to discuss that a little bit with Bloodstay Lane, just because there's a couple of things from that fight, well, from that card that just jumped out at me, and I'd definitely like to hear his opinion on it. Of course, we'll be talking about Monday Night Raw and the newest promo from The Rock, and his attacks on John Cena. Uh, this particular angle is starting to really pick up some steam between raw promos and Twitter and just the, the division between fans of both wrestlers. It's really starting to pick up steam, and WrestleMania is definitely shaping up to be very interesting. I don't know if it's going to be interesting enough for me to drop 60 bucks, but it is shaping up to be entertaining for sure. In addition to that, we're going to talk some GDC news. We got a plethora of Marvel movie news as well as some of some as well as a couple of sequels that are that shouldn't be done and a couple of prequels too that are popping up out of nowhere. So without further ado, let's get into some MMA first and that would be with this. competing in his combat Sambo tournament and will honor the medical suspension issued by the New York State Athletic Control Board. Um, according to legal counsel Nick Lembo, who spoke with Emelianenko's camp, he has been assured that he will not participate in the tournament in St. Petersburg, Russia, scheduled for this upcoming weekend. Of course, Sambo is a martial arts system developed for the Russian military and bears a lot of similarities to MMA in terms of striking and grappling 
Um, in most circles, it is considered the national sport of Russia. Fedor received two suspensions following his loss to Antonio Silva. Got to give a credit to MMA Junkie for breaking that bit of news. Um, I'm very surprised that Fedor uh, got those two medical suspensions and the fact that he's actually adhering to them and not competing in the combat sambo tournament um, definitely is something I'm not surprised about because most fighters do honor it. But considering that it is taking place overseas in Russia, I felt that the um, suspension would not apply. So it's definitely great to see that Fedor is healing up and that we will see him back in the cage a lot sooner than most people think, especially those that thought he was going to retire. HDNet announced that they will be airing Shark Fights 14 on HDNet on March 11th. Um, some of the fights on that card was supposed to be Matt Horwich and Danilo Villafort and a main event of Houston Alexander and James Irvin, which was canceled because James Irvin tested positive for steroids and Houston Alexander had sustained an injury. So definitely a, a blow to the Shark Fights 14 main event. And there's also a lot of other great fights on there, including Elaine Hernandez versus Gabe Vasquez. You got Kyle Bracey and Greg Kubal, um, Alex Sisney and Eric DeVilla. Um, and, of course, like I said, Matt Horwich, Danilo Villafort, uh, and Cesar Rodriguez and Tommy Gomez. And you'll be able to watch that live on HDNet March 14th. Of course, with the withdrawal of Houston Alexander and James Irvin, it makes me wonder what bout, if any, is going to be promoted as a co-main event. So we will be watching this with great interest leading up to March 11th. Former Strikeforce champion King Mo has announced that he will be returning to Strikeforce very soon. Um, he made the announcement via Twitter. And um, he has no opponent yet, but he will be coming back June 18th for the Strikeforce event in Dallas, Texas. Um, of course, King Mo has been out of action since last year with a knee injury. So definitely looking forward to seeing King Mo back in the cage. I actually wrote an article about villains and the influence of pro wrestling and MMA. And King Mo definitely came up, um, especially for his fondness of pro wrestling, and his extravagant entrances. So if you haven't had a chance, definitely check that out, and you can see what I'm talking about. Also, UFC Fight Night 24 has taken shape. Of course, the original main event was supposed to be Antonio um, Rogerio Nogueira, and he was supposed to be facing Tito Ortiz. Tito Ortiz, of course, sustained an injury and had to withdraw. Replacing him is Phil Davis. Also on the main event is going to be Dan Hardy and Anthony Johnson, and Dwayne Bang Ludwig against Amir Sadala and Leonard Garcia versus Nam Fan 2. On the prelims, you're going to see um, Bruce Leroy, Alex Caceres facing Mackin Semizer. I'm surprised that's not going to be televised. Uh, John Madsen and Mike Russo, John Hathaway and Chris McRae, Michael McDonald and Nick Pace, Sean McCorkle and Christian Moorcraft. Then you got Mario Miranda and Aaron Simpson, Dennis Hallman and TJ Wahlberger, and Nick Lentz versus. Waylon Lowe, and you'll be able to check that out March 26th. So definitely a very solid card uh, for Fight Night 24 on Spike TV. Um, of course, the Little Noggin Phil Davis match is a match I'm looking forward to, as is Dan Hardy versus Anthony Rumble Johnson. I'm a huge fan of both fighters, so I'm definitely looking forward to that. And, of course, Leonard Garcia and the Nam Fan rematch are definitely going to be something that you got to check out for sure. So March 26th is going to be your day. Maximum Fighting Championships announced earlier this week via press release that they had signed Marcus, uh, Marcus the Irish Hand Grenade Davis to a multi-fight deal with the promotion. Davis is going to make his debut at MFC 29, which takes place in Caesars, Windsor on Friday, April 8th, on Friday, April 8th, not April 18th. 
Uh, Davis is expected to meet Livewire, uh, Ragin' Cajun Johnson. And it's supposed to be one of the featured matchups that's going to be airing on HDNet. So definitely keep an eye out for that. In other news, of course, Michael Bisping ended up winning his fight at UFC 127. And there was a lot of after-fight shenanigans that occurred. But the result of those shenanigans was something that I didn't expect. And that was the attention of Chael Sonnen towards Michael Bisping now. Chael Sonnen, of course, his uh, suspension is officially up. So Chael Sonnen can get back in the cage to fight. And um, a lot of people were expecting Chael Sonnen to fight Anderson Silva. Surprisingly enough, it seems that Chael Sonnen has directed his ire at Michael Bisping. He wrote a letter to Joe Silva from the UFC regarding a match with Spitzbing, as Chael Sonnen called him. And the letter was, of course, typical Chael Sonnen greatness as always. It was the following. Joe. If you get a chance to talk with him, please mention to your idiot in residence, Michael Spitzbing, that it'll be a little tougher to knee me in the head when I'm charging at him like a runaway train and mincing him through the fence like a boiled potato. Should we ever have the pleasure of each other's company for a few, very few moments in the octagon? Oh, and I suggest to him being a little careful about spitting on any of my quartermen, since any of them can beat him up as badly as I can. Thanks ever so much. Hope all is well. Chael Sonnen couple of things from this, besides the fact that the shit-talking will reach legendary levels, I'm very surprised that they would go this route. Not to say that this thing isn't a fighter that Chael Sonnen should be fighting, but I really expected them to go with the Anderson Silva rematch. I think that right now the attention is solely focused on Anderson Silva and George St. Pierre, given the amount of money that that can generate. So definitely a Chael Sonnen-Michael Bisping fight. Uh, while not the most expected result, will be something that will generate much interest. So it should be interesting to see how the UFC responds to that and if they honor Chael Sonnen's request. In some Strikeforce news, Paul Daly um, successfully competed uh, this past week, and after his well-documented KO victory, he will be meeting Nick Diaz for the welterweight world championship. And um, that's going to be happening at the Strike Force event on April 9th. Also on that card, Gilbert Melendez will be doing his second defense of the Strike Force light, lightweight title against Tatsuya Kawajiri. Kawajiri is a beast, so that's definitely going to be a great fight uh, with Gilbert Melendez, so I'm looking forward to that. In addition, it's also been confirmed that Dream Light Heavyweight Champion Gegard Musasi will be taking on Mike Kyle. So definitely a solid night of fights from Strike Force on April 9th from the Valley View Casino Center in San Diego. In addition to that, Strike Force announced the second leg of their heavyweight Grand Prix, which will continue Saturday, June 18th, at the American Airlines Center in Dallas, Texas. Uh, the two Grand Prix fights on that card are going to be Alistair Overeem and Fabricio Verdum and Brett Rogers versus Josh Barnett. Definitely two great fights that I'm looking forward to seeing Overeem administer a beating on Verdum, and I really would like to see Barnett uh, defeat Brett Rogers. I like all four fighters, but a fight between Overeem and Barnett would be ridiculous on a multitude of levels, so I'm looking forward to that as well. In some other news, the main event for Bellator 39 was set up with lightweight champion Eddie Alvarez um, fighting the winner of the Season 2 tournament, Pat Curran, 
and that's going to go down April 2nd at the Mohegan Sun in uh, Unicusville, con Connecticut, and it's going to air on MTV2. Also on that card is going to be a non-tournament match between Ben Saunders and Matt Lee. Speaking of Bellator, I definitely got to throw out uh, some, some good luck to uh, Chris Lozano, who was on MMA Gospel recently. He will be competing for Bellator, and I am looking forward to seeing him compete as well. So definitely uh, well wishes and good luck to him in his upcoming fight. With that said, I actually ran through the MMA news rather quickly. I'm going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, I'm going to go into wrestling news. Um, I'll probably backtrack when Bloodstain Lane calls in, but I will get into the wrestling news right after this. You know those shows where they play video game music and they laugh in like really high voices like... <laughs> well, you won't listen to that on our show because uh, we don't have the budget for that kind of thing. We're broke as hell. And uh, nobody really cares that much to laugh that hard. So um, if you're looking for a show like that, that has horrible audio quality and uh, void of fake laughter, Video Game News Radio, 11 p.m. Tuesday nights on all games. some wrestling. Uh, first off, let's get into some wrestling news. Um, I wouldn't cite TMZ for anything else unless it was wrestling related, but TMZ confirmed that on the new season of Dancing with the Stars, Chris Jericho will be one of the stars that will be in the show. Um, along, He will be joining Wendy Williams, Kendra Wilkinson, Christy Alley, Little Romeo, and Disney star Chelsea Kane on Dancing with the Stars. So I guarantee you at least a couple of wrestling fans will be tuning in to see if Y2J has the dance skills to become the Dancing with the Stars champion. So should be should make for some interesting television. Also tonight, we got to see TNA, and one of the things that happened on TNA this evening was the appearance of Jersey Shore's Angelina Pivarnik, who was involved in an, in an altercation with the beautiful people. Um, I don't have all my TNA notes, so I will be discussing that at length probably next week. I will tell you that there's a couple of different things going on with regards to that. Some people are saying that Angelina worked the event for free to gain exposure and hopefully a contract. Other people are saying that she got paid an estimated $7,000 for the appearance. Either way, it's really not doing anything for TNA, in my honest opinion, with her involvement other than a little bit of mainstream press on TMZ and some of the other rags out there. Um, TNA Wrestling has continued to lose sight of what people tune in to see, and that, of course, is wrestling. But, of course, that's a rant that can be saved for multiple episodes of MTR just because that's the direction they seem to go in. Moving on, a couple of things I wanted to discuss. Bret Hart is officially on Twitter. He's at HitmanBretSHart, and he actually did a Q&A on Twitter recently, and a couple of interesting things came out of it. Um... One of the questions that was asked was, what is a current wrestler that has the most promising ability? The wrestler that he said has the most promising ability is Daniel Bryan. Um, also, he was asked if he holds a grudge against Bill Goldberg. 
Um, of course, Bill Goldberg was a catalyst in the end of the hitman's career due to a concussion that he sustained uh, during his match with Goldberg. He said, never had one. I've had, I have great respect for Goldberg. What happened to me was an accident. When asked about his favorite angle, it had to be the Canada versus USA angle with the Hart Foundation, which was a solid angle back then. I actually thought it was really cool. Um, when asked, there was a call. I'm going to jump around because there's certain questions that definitely are, are, are interesting just to hear. Um, he asked, when asked if he regretted his time in WCW, he said that I wish I never left the WWE if that's what you, what you mean. When asked about John Cena, he said that John Cena is one of the hardest working guys in the history of the WWE. When asked about the best Canadian wrestler, um, his, his response raised a couple of eyebrows, but you know what? People need to get the fuck over themselves. Um, when asked about who the best Canadian wrestler was, he says, I still count Benoit, but Edge is a killer. No pun intended, obviously. So obviously he continues to acknowledge the fact that Chris Benoit was a solid uh, and legendary Canadian wrestler regardless of his um, outer ring exploits, so definitely nice to see that. Um, when asked about Wade Barrett, he felt that he thought Wade Barrett was the hottest heel in the business, and as a fan he hopes that they didn't drop the ball. Of course, the, the inevitable favorite match question came up, and that had to be against Stone Cold Steve Austin at WrestleMania, and his least favorite match was against Bob Backlund at WrestleMania as well. He wasn't saying that Bob Backlund was, a, was his least favorite opponent, but the match itself. When asked about his favorite opponents, he cited Mr. Perfect, uh, Owen Hart, St Steve Austin, and the Bulldogs. When asked about the toughest opponents he's faced, he said Vader and Bill Goldberg. Last but not least, of course, his least favorite opponent was mentioned, and he, had, and he said it was Bad News Brown, which, wow, that's, uh, that's pretty funny. When asked about his thoughts regarding Alberto Del Rio, he stated that Alberto Del Rio is a unique and classic Mexican heel that's easy to hate, which means he's doing his job. And, of course, uh, some of these are going to be a little bit controversial, and they've already been cited in multiple wrestling websites. When asked about his thoughts on Michael Cole, he said Michael Cole does a piss-poor job of putting over a lot of talent. He couldn't lace Jim Ross's shoes. So definitely very, very, very interesting commentary. When asked about The Undertaker, he stated that The Undertaker is one of the most consummate professionals inside and outside the ring. When asked if he could reform the Hart Foundation, who would he reform it with? He said Christian Edge, Chris Jericho, Trish Stratus, and the Hart Dynasty, which not for nothing, that would be a really badass stable. I'd, I'd love to see something like that. Um... A couple of other things. His favorite match that he was not involved in was Lesnar versus Angle at WrestleMania. And here's, here's the one that has lit Twitter and many wrestling sites on fire. When it was when asked about Hulk Hogan, he stated that Hulk Hogan's nothing but a two-faced, backstabbing steroid freak who deserved everything he got. Of course, this, this would be nothing if there wasn't a response from Hulk Hogan. And it was the following. Listen to where Bret Hart's speaking from. It, it's funny. He's done everything he says I did. Of course, Bret Hart responded, and he wrote the following. Regarding that's what you did, he put, that's not what John Graziano thinks, dickhead. So not only did Bret Hart answer a ton of great questions, but he actually initiated a Twitter beef and called Hulk Hogan a dickhead on Twitter, which actually brought quite a chuckle to my face. So definitely something, something of note came out of that exchange. 
Also got to throw a quick, a quick congratulations to um, MTR friend, of course, Amazing Red, who besides wrestling for TNA, he will be wrestling for ICW this Friday against Loki. So for those of you that are in New York, head over to the Elks Lodge um, on Queens Boulevard and check them out. I think that Amazing Red and Loki is going to be a fantastic match, and it's going to be the must-see match of the evening. So definitely check that out. And in some other Amazing Red news, Chikara put out a press release that Amazing Red will be joining the King of Trios tournament, um, which is a, a three-team tournament with a lot of great teams involved, from Team Michinoku Pro, Team Osaka Pro. you got uh, Manami Toyota, Mike Quackenbush, and Jigsaw. You got uh, the, 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 the Soul Touches. You got Simbody and Batiri. Um, you got BDK in there, Team Australia, and Amazing Red will be joined by the Maximos in the Chikara Trios tournament. So definitely you will need to check that shit out. I think that Trios tournaments are really awesome, and with the amount of talent in this Chikara tournament, it's going to be memorable for sure. In some other TNA news, Sharkboy has announced that he has requested and received his TNA release. He stated the following in regards to it. I have officially requested and been granted my release from TNA Wrestling. I would like to take this opportunity to thank everyone at TNA for giving me the opportunity to perform in front of the audience since the very early days of the company. Thanks especially to the great TNA fans who have given me their support throughout the past eight years. Now, on to the next chapter. Um, I'm actually very sad to see Sharkboy leave the organization, but considering how TNA's been run as of late, I'm not in the least bit surprised, and I really feel that they dropped the ball with a character like Sharkboy. Sharkboy is very fan-friendly. Fan he has um, a ton of merchandising potential, especially for the, for the children. Um, he's, he's a great fan. He's, he's a great fan favorite that kids can get behind, and TNA dropped the ball in regards to that. They really could have squeeze that nugget for all it's worth. If you see a wrestler like Rey Mysterio in the WWE and think of all the money that's made from just masks alone that are sold to children and the overwhelming popularity that he has, you would think that they would have capitalized on that and given him a, a little bit more mainstream exposure. Sure, he doesn't talk. Sure, his, his gimmick seems hokey to most, but I feel that Sharkboy, in regards to marketing potential, especially for, for the fan-friendly audience, would have been something that, that should have been capitalized on a lot better. So definitely I really wish Sharkboy the best, and I'm looking forward to seeing him in whatever organization he shows up in the near future. WWE should actually scoop him up because they can do a lot with him. Sure, they probably toss him in a comedy gimmick, but his wrestling is solid, and on the main stage at this point, he'd do well, even if it's for a year or two. Even if you put him in a fucking tag team with Santino, it would be better than what TNA did with him. So I wish Sharkboy the best of luck. And, of course, the last bit of news involves Chris Jericho, and that's that his book, Undisputed, hit number nine on the New York Times bestseller list. That is the highest that any non-WWE wrestling book has ever ranked, so definitely props to Chris Jericho for doing his thing. And, of course, let's talk a little bit about Monday Night Raw this week. A couple of things. Um, there's five episodes of Raw before WrestleMania. Um, they did a little bit about Triple H and his match with The Undertaker, or as he's known now, The Last Outlaw, and they are playing a little bit of Johnny Cash music for The Undertaker now, so I guess we're going, they were going with, the, with The Last Outlaw moniker for the time being. 
Of course, The Rock will be joining Monday Night Raw via satellite, and boy, did he deliver. And, of course, Sheamus and Evan Bourne was surprising, just because I didn't expect Evan Bourne to be back so soon. Evan Bourne came in and made short work of Sheamus with a shooting star press to wrap things up. Uh, very solid match. Uh, squash once again for Sheamus. It seems that Sheamus is not well-liked by some of the producers and writing staff, so he is being just shoved down the card and is actually on quite the losing streak, as is Kofi Kingston, which is unfortunate because Sheamus has a ton of great potential as a heel. I feel, yeah, he got pushed a little too soon, but he's one of those few legit guys that can actually get a fan reaction and works really well with a lot of faces and heels. So it, it's crazy that he's getting jobbed out so readily. Of course, after Sheamus' loss, Triple H came out and uh, put the boots to Sheamus as well. So, you know, that's a nice way to kind of close out that little beef between Sheamus and Triple H. But considering that the guy put you on the shelf and you came back and just destroyed him in one night, Sure, you could have gotten a match out of it, but I think it was a fitting end to that. Of course, they did a segment with Michael Cole and Jerry Lawler, which is to promote their match at WrestleMania, in which uh, Michael Cole brought out Jack Swagger as his coach, and it was a no-brainer that it would end with Jack Swagger putting Jerry Lawler in the ankle lock, and um, now we know that Jack Swagger will be in Michael Cole's, cor- in Michael Cole's corner for WrestleMania. Nice way to get a payday, Jack. Randy Orton comes out, cuts himself a bit of a promo. He was facing Michael McGillicuddy with the stipulation that if Randy Orton defeats every member of the Nexus leading up to WrestleMania, that none of them can be in CM Punk's corner during their match at WrestleMania. Michael McGillicuddy, of course, was first, and he was the sacrificial lamb eating an RKO and a kick to the skull as well. CM Punk, of course, cutting really great promos on Randy Orton. One particular thing I enjoy is how he actually called Randy Orton by his full name. He was like, Randall Keith Orton, you stop. Before, of course, Randy Orton kicked Michael McGillicuddy in the head. So definitely uh, very interesting to see how that pans out in the coming weeks. Of course, they did a recap of Sin Cara, a.k.a. Mystico, signing with the WWE. So that's going to be very interesting as well. He'll probably be debuting after WrestleMania, as will Awesome Kong, because at this point, any of them that debut now are just going to get lost in the shuffle. Of course, The Miz comes out, cuts one of his bullshit promos. John Cena comes out, yada, 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 sets up a match for Riley and Cena in a steel cage, where if Alex Riley loses, he will be fired. We move on into a Divas Battle Royal, where the winner will be facing the Divas Champion. Brie Bella won the Battle Royal. I couldn't give two shits, because it was a complete clusterfuck. And, of course, this leads us to The Rock's promo. And I have to tell you that it was charged with emotion, solid, and really showed that this this particular feud is being taken to the next level just on promo work alone. Um, Of course, a lot of people were complaining because The Rock should have been there, yada, yada, yada. Rocky should have been there for the face-to-face. You're not going to get a face-to-face until at least the last Raw before WrestleMania. That's how you got to do it. That's how you build interest. That's how you get ratings. So really solid work so far, and you guys definitely need to hear this fucking promo because it was sick. Yo, yo, check, check it. 
Check it. Yeah. You can't see me. You can't see me. I'm about to spit something stupid. Yeah. Yeah. Can't see me. The Rock is rapping. He's totally gone soft. So now he needs to take this crap off. Finally, The Rock has come back to Monday Night Raw. But wait, 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 wait. The Rock is the champion of the people, the energy of the people, and The Rock is electrifying every inch of the 14,000 strong in the HSBC arena, which can only mean one thing, which is... Finally, The Rock has come back to Buffalo. And it's that electricity that is in the air right now. You can cut it with a knife. That excitement that makes every woman with a beating heart stop in her tracks and say, Damn, I want a piece of The Rock. And it, was, it makes every single man with an ounce of testosterone in his body say, damn, Rock, let's get together and whoop some candy asses. It's that electricity that commands the attention. And right now, I know the Rock, the people's champ, and the people, we've got the attention of John Cena. So let me get this straight. I make my historic return to Raw. He electrify the world, spoke from the heart directly to the people, and last but not least, John Cena, I said exactly how I feel about you. The Rock came back to Raw, kicked down your door, and addressed you like a man. And what do you do in response? You rap to me? You rap to me. You address me in the form of rap. Well, of course you did. Because that's how the guy in the purple shirt responds with his dog tag chains and his jean shorts. Yeah, yeah. Hustle, loyalty, respect. Yeah, thugonomics. Yeah. I thought it was funny. It was real funny. Let me remind you and the world how this whole thing started. It all started with you, John Cena, publicly running your mouth about me, calling me a liar when I say I love the WWE. You said don't jerk you or the fans around by saying I love this business and not coming back 
John, by saying that, you insulted me and my family. Let me tell you something. My love for the WWE is endless. I grew up in the WWE. I was born into the WWE. My blood is the WWE. My grandfather, the late great High Chief Peter Maivia. My father, former WWE Tag Team Champion Rocky Johnson. Both Hall of Famers who I inducted. I am standing in my house. This is my collection of WWE Championship titles that I proudly display. I didn't show love because I accomplished my goals in the WWE and I wanted to achieve more. I knew that if I made it in Hollywood, outside of the WWE, then that meant one important thing, that I just opened the door for the WWE, helped open the door for the entire WWE locker room that's there tonight. I helped open the door, John Cena, for you. Paved the way for you. And what do you do? You publicly insult and knock the people's champion. Well, John Cena, now there are consequences. You're going to pay for running your mouth. Now you've just made an open plea for me to bring it and trust me like no one else on this planet under God's hot sun brings it like the rock. I bring it. Now, you have just opened the door yourself and on the other side, staring right back at you, is the jabroni beating, pie eating, trail blazing, eyebrow raising, Cena, you say what you want, you reap what you sow, but The Rock will kick your monkey ass from here all the way to Buffalo. The Rock is hosting WrestleMania. But more importantly, John Cena, he'll be addressing you sooner than you think. You see, The Rock electrified all over the world. His spirit is everywhere. The people's spirit is everywhere. And it's in that spirit and that electricity that allows the people's champ to raise the people's hand, snap the people's fingers, and electrify Buffalo just like that. Buffalo, get ready, because in a few seconds from right now, you will feel the electricity, because when The Rock, the people's champ, addresses John Cena like a man face to face, The Rock is never alone, and The Rock means never 
alone. The Rock, the people's champ, is with the millions. The Rock, the people's champ, is with the millions. Good Lord above, have mercy. It's The Rock and the millions. Bringing it to WrestleMania, bringing it to the world, John Cena, The Rock, ain't no rapper. And clearly, neither are you. But open your ears and shut your mouth and listen to this very special gift from the people's champion to you. The Rock is back to scratch a major itch. So enjoy your fruity pebbles, you yabba dabba bitch. The Rock will address you like a man. In these eyes, you'll be looking. And in that exact moment, you will smell what The Rock is cooking. And there you have it, folks. John Cena, of course, got the response that he wanted from The Rock. And boy, was it impactful. The the audio doesn't do it justice Um the Rock actually seemed, he actually had the vibe like he was really taking the shit seriously. So <laughs> with that, I, I think it's going to be very interesting these upcoming weeks. Um, of course, to close out the Raw coverage, Alex Riley did face John Cena in the steel cage. John Cena did escape, at which point Alex Riley got fired. Now, I'm a little upset only because that's the main event you went with, Alex Riley and John Cena at Steel Cage. Alex fucking Riley, the Miz's baggage handler, Mr. DWI himself, that's the guy you close out fucking Raw with? Ugh, it was... That part of it was bullshit. The Rock's promo, uh, the Triple H close out of the Sheamus angle, the return of Evan Bourne were your high spots. Everything else... Passable, but again, you're going to have a couple of high points and low points for every Raw leading into WrestleMania, so definitely was not the worst Raw. On, on the contrary, I, the worst shit coming on TV right now is TNA. Ring of Honor, in terms of wrestling, leads the pack. Raw leads the, 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 the charge with entertainment. TNA leads the charge with bullshit. So that's going to wrap up our wrestling coverage for this week. Um, I'm going to take a quick commercial break. When I get back, we're going to talk some video games right after this. What if it's on tonight, even? Tonight at 10 on your local news. I said to Jesus, Jesus, can you say this is the deal of the century, people? I'm telling you. So, Jason, uh, what, what, I mean, what, what are we doing tonight, tumbling with tumbleweed, Tuesday nights at 10 p.m.? blogtalkradio.com Eastern Standard Time. Do you even know? Jason? Jason, are you there? Alright, we're back. Let's ourselves into some video game news, shall we? Alright, First off, Halo Reach, blow the dust off of it, because guess what's happening? Map packs, that's right. The Defiant Map Pack has been dated for March 15th and will run you 800 Microsoft points. You're going to be getting three maps, Condemned, 
highlands, and unearthed. Oops, oh, excuse me, unearthed. Pardon pardon the little fuck up there, folks. And, of course, something that we all knew was coming. Looks like Sony's going to start making room for the NGP. The PSP, as well as the PSP Go, have received price drops. The PSP got dropped to 129 The PSP Go got dropped to 149 uh, The price drop is already in effect for the PSP. I believe the PSP Go should be in effect as of this broadcast, if not possibly uh, tomorrow or for the weekend. So if you're on the fence about picking up a PSP, you can pick one up for 130 bucks if you so choose. But most people, I'm sure, will be holding out for the NGP. At the GDC this week, Valve actually showed off a controller-friendly version of Steam that can be played on televisions. Based on the following statement, it seems that Steam is making its way to TVs at some point, and this is what was said. Our partners and customers have asked us to make Steam available in more places. With the introduction of Steam on the Mac and soon in Portal 2 on the PS3, we've done just that, said Doug Lombardi, VP of Marketing for Valve. With the big picture mode gaming opportunities for Steam's partners and customers becoming possible via PCs and Macs on any PC or computer display in the house. Not, not for nothing, I think that the involvement of Steam, especially for TVs, is really good. I mean, with OnLive out there, with its uh, rental model being accessed on televisions, I think Steam would be a great way for certain PC games to make their way into the marketplace. So that's definitely worth checking out for sure. And I'm going to be watching that with much interest. I'm sure that a lot of the PC gamers that listen to the show are going to be very excited about that. So definitely going to be monitoring that for sure. Also, the... Um, shit, my, what the hell? Why isn't this refreshing? Sorry about that, folks. Currently, there is an issue going on with the PS3 in Europe based on an injunction by LG... Um, where LG is suspending the sales of PS3s in Europe for up to 10 days. Consoles are being collected and being kept in Dutch warehouses. As of right now, it seems that if Sony ends up losing the case against LG, they would be forced to pay LG for every PlayStation 3 sold worldwide. One of the reasons is because when the Blu-ray uh, system started coming out, well, Overall, just a Blu-ray platform, it was Sony and multiple partners. Um, of course, all the other partners, it seems, have come, have come to terms with Sony in some shape, way, or form, but it seems that LG did not. And as such, they are laying claim to every PlayStation 3 that is sold. I really don't know if that's going to be, you know, the worst thing. They should just pay it and be done with it because... PS3 is not being sold in Europe is, is, is bad, especially with such great titles um, definitely down the pipe. So I really hope that Sony figures out what the fuck they're going to do and settles it so that they can be able to sell consoles in Europe. A couple of weeks back, I mentioned that Panasonic was going to be releasing a handheld device, and that's going to be the jungle. Well, guess what? That shit is dead Last year, the portable device got revealed, and the company has decided to stop its development. According to, Ro to Reuters, it was suspended due to changes in the market and in our own strategic direction. Oh, I don't know. Maybe the, the, the NGP, the 3DS, maybe that had something to do with it. Oh, look, shocker. 
in some infamous news, which I'm sure will make Slick happy, the, the original Infamous had 99 missions, but the June 7 release of Infamous 2 will have unlimited missions thanks to a mission creator that the game will have. The creator was revealed today at the GDC and will give access to everything that the developers have had access to. So you can look forward to uh, limited public beta in April for Infamous 2, so definitely keep an eye out for that. So you're going to have mission creatability and a limited beta in April. Here's something that some of you guys that had gamer tags on the original Xbox may be excited about. It seems that Microsoft is recycling gamer tags that haven't been used in years and is actually putting them out to give more options when choosing a gamer tag. So keep an eye out for that. Um, changing your gamer tag on Xbox Live costs 800 points. So if you had an older gamer tag that you were really fond of, See if you can pick it up, and you can switch it for 800 points. In some other GDC news, Nintendo unveiled a ton of shit um, regarding the 3DS. First off, that the system is going to be able to stream Netflix and will also offer a short-form video service in May via an update. Also coming in May, they're going to be uh, Game Gear and TurboGrafx-16 games on the 3DS Virtual Console. There's also rumors that another update will be adding 3D recording as well. Lastly, by late May, the 3DS is going to be able to have access to over 10,000 Wi-Fi spots, thanks in, in part to a partnership with AT&T. And finally, a new Super Mario game, big surprise there, was teased for the system. Um, one of the things that people have noticed in the logo is that there is a tail at the end of Mario, which looks similar to some of the Mario costumes that have tails, like the raccoon or tanuki Mario costumes. So should be interesting to see that. So keep an eye out for that in the coming months. I think that the 3DS is shaping up to be very solid at launch, especially with some of the titles they have. I mean, their launch lineup isn't the strongest, but there are a few that definitely stick out. Of course, Super Street Fighter 4 3D being one of them. Of course, this past Wednesday... No-brainer, iPad 2 got dropped upon us. The iPad 2 is going to be released March 11th, and it's going to run you from $629 to $829 for the 3G versions, and from $499 to $699 for the non-3D versions. I mean, oops, for the non-3G versions, depending on the size, of course, that is bought. This new iPad is going to have front and rear cameras, as well as a dual-core processor, which is the A5 chip. It's going to be 33% thinner than the first iPad, making it smaller than the iPhone 4, and the battery life will continue to be 10 hours. The iPad 2 is going to be available next week, March 11th, for both AT&T and Verizon, as well as Wi-Fi, and they'll be able to be picked up in black as well as white. A couple of things based on this. In seeing the keynote announcement this, this past Wednesday, I was very surprised at some of the uses that the iPad is, has had. The keynote was, was very um, definitely tugged at the heartstrings with some things, especially um, in the display of use, um, well, in, in the use for educating and teaching children with autism, um, especially because, you know, I'm familiar with autism, having it in my house. Uh, with my sister who is handicapped and has autism. And it was very interesting to see the interactivity of children with autism and the iPad and the, avail the, the ability for them to learn and enhance their capabilities. It was definitely a very heartwarming video, and I was really impressed with, 
what Apple has done with the device. Um, a couple of things I wanted to discuss about that. Some people have gone on record as saying that this particular update uh, is basically an iPad 1.5 and not really an iPad 2, and that they should reserve their judgment for iPad 3. Of course, this is, these are the opinions of the masses. I look at this as, in a couple of different ways, um, primarily as the following. If you currently own an iPad and you can give two shits about video, you don't need to pick it up. If you don't have an iPad and you're in the market for one, get yourself the, the, the two just because it's the same price as the one. For those of you that are wondering what happens with the original iPad, there has been a discount of 100 bucks to every original iPad unit, so you can pick up a 16-gig iPad Wi-Fi for $399, or you can even get a refurbed for $349. And, of course, the always powerful Craigslist and eBay can probably get you one for far cheaper. I think it's really great for the tablet wars right now for a couple of reasons. Just because a, a lot of people went to Engadget and Gizmodo and they filled the forums with commentary about how, oh, you know, the Zoom, the Motorola Zoom is better, you know, even though it's 800 bucks, it's better, yada, 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 you know, um, Honeycomb and, and Android Honeycomb is going to be badass and, and the tablets are better. Look, I'm going to be completely frank with you guys. Sure, the other tablets are better. But you know what it is? The iPad isn't meant to be anything more than something that's uh, an ancillary product, something for entertainment value. Yeah, you can do work, legitimate work with it, and you can do really great things with it, but it's just there. You know, you sit on your couch, you watch a couple of movies, maybe you surf IMDb for a little bit, you play words with friends and some of those casual little games, and that's it. I mean, I honestly would like to pick one up just because it'll come in handy for covering events and taking notes and also for taking pictures and uploading them directly into the iPad um, from your SD card, which you can do with a device that you can plug into the slot on the bottom. There is potential for the device, but if you don't really need one, don't spend your time trolling the, the, the hardware. I really enjoy the innovation that Apple is putting out there because I feel that it makes other companies work harder, which in the end benefits the consumer. The Motorola Zoom tablet, I had the opportunity of checking it out this week, and it is a beautiful piece of hardware. But the, there's only about 65 honeycomb applications available. You're going to pay $800 and only have access to 65 applications? What the fuck else are you going to do? Surf the web, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? There's really not much more you can do with that. It's really unfortunate that that's the kind of shit that people spend their time deliberating. If you really are interested in a tablet, do your research. If you want something small, you can get a small 7-inch tablet like the Samsung Galaxy tablet, which is nice. It's cute. I personally don't like it because I feel that, for me, the iPad is going to consist of being able to do stuff for the show in terms of taking notes for events, and it's also going to be good for reading more comics, which in turn will allow me to review more comics as well as review more books and read more magazines. So in, in, some, in essence, it will save me money because what magazine can you not download in PDF that you can read? You know how many mail buckets I donate to the gym full of magazines, and I also have tons and tons of comic books in boxes that sit there unread 
Now I can have them on the iPad and read them when I want, if I so choose. Or I can read them on Android, if I so choose. I really think that the fact that people sit there and bitch and piss and moan about, you know, this hardware is better, this hardware sucks, Apple sucks, don't buy the shit and keep it moving. Seriously, it's not that hard. I don't understand how people sit there and bitch and piss and moan about something that they may not even buy. The iPad is a really cool toy to have. If you use it for work, great. Uh, you know, one of the things I looked at was being able to add a mixer to the show and plug in the iPad to use for After Effects. You know, that there, there's actual purpose there. But people spend more time trolling instead of taking the opportunity to research their products and make educated guesses on whether they should buy them or not. And it's truly fucking sad. So... That's my little rant regarding the iPad 2. Let me move on. Um, Saints Row 3 will be coming out for Xbox 360, PlayStation 3, and PC during the 2011 holiday season. It's going to be called Saints Row the Third, and you can pick that up during the prob- probably during November or early December rush. The game follows the Third Street Saints as they've become kings of Stillwater. After refusing to pay tribute to the syndicate, the game will take you to a new city to take on new gangs. One thing out of GDC that I actually wasn't going to discuss, but I took great pleasure in reading, was something that involved David Jaffe, who, of course, was the creator of God of War and Twisted Metal. And it was regarding software updates. David Jaffe said during a panel that console makers should cap bug fix patches. He stated the following, hardware manufacturers, I feel, should only allow one to four updates to the software per game per year. He added that none should come within the first one or two months that the game is shipping. His reasoning is so that gamers can actually play their game when it releases and not spend time downloading updates. He continued with the following, when I first started, when the disc was shipped, it was our last chance to get rid of the bugs off the bat. If developers could make it work then, then today, then today they can at least make sure our games don't have to be updated the first week they hit shelves. The man preaches truth. I mean, nothing is more upsetting than people buying a brand new game for 60 bucks and it being broken, which, which sucks. It sucks a lot, especially, you know, you get a game and the online component is broken or maybe the lobbies are broken or multiplayer is broken or there's screen tearing, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. These are things that should really be taken care of before the game goes gold. And what's happening is, and, and I, I agree, and I've seen it happen a lot, the publishers are getting fucking lazy, and they're instead throwing the game out to make the quick buck, and then they're like, yeah, we'll fix everything else with fucking patches, which is stupid. I honestly do not like the fact that you can download a game or buy a game, and almost 75% of the time you've got to install some sort of a fucking patch or some sort of a fix. It's, it's stupid. The quality control for games in regards to that have kind of gone down the fucking toilet at that point. It's, it's really absurd, and the man preaches truth. Now, we will see if, if a suggestion like that is going to come to light when the Twisted Metal series drops. In some Dead Island news, which I totally forgot to post a trailer on MyTakeRadio.com, Dead Island hasn't even been released yet, but it already seems that they are trying to make a movie about it. Variety Variety previously reported that Union Entertainment had purchased the rights to a Dead Island movie, but the CEO of Koch Media, which is the the parent company of the publisher 
um, was quoted as saying that we are looking for quality above all else for a movie based on Dead Island. We want to do it the right way as, feel, as film realizations of games and vice versa usually fail to deliver what the fans were looking for. According to, uh, wow, this guy's name is Kundratitz, the goal is to work with someone who already has a proven record with blockbuster movies. Here's a suggestion. How about you put the game out, and if it sells, maybe make a movie instead of fucking wanting to cash in just because the trailer was pretty. How many times have we been uh, side-swiped with beautiful fucking trailers that in the end are just a car crash of fucking bullshit? It's happened quite a few times as of late, especially with some games where the, the premise is fantastic, and when you finally get your hands on the game and play it, it is complete bullshit. I see that Slick is on the line. Let me bring him in. Slick, what do you got, my friend? What's up, man? What's going on, brother? Um, first, I wanted to comment on the infamous two news that you gave on the um, sure. the unlimited mission creator. I'm not too sure on that one. I mean, I, I, I've from what I've seen of infamous two so far, I don't, I don't have too much doubt to say that I'm going to like the game, but the Infinite Mission Creator was done in a, another game that, I mean, everybody shit on it, but I kind of liked it, a game called Spider-Man 2, and um, one of the um, one of the fans, the doofus, he, he always used to make jokes about balloons. Because when you play Spider-Man 2, every five minutes you hear some little brat crying that he lost his fucking balloon. And all of a sudden Spider-Man is like running up the side of the Empire State Building to get a fucking balloon. What the fuck? Yeah, that that's what Infinite Mission Creator is like. It would create that's... these little random missions where either you had to get this kid's balloon... You might have to stop, like, a carjacking or, like, freaking Hulkbuster-sized robots who managed to come out of nowhere and start trashing the city. This is your infinite mission creator. I mean, I'm not saying that Sucker Punch might not have done something better. I would definitely hope so. But I've seen it before and not necessarily the greatest thing in the world. And, again, I love Infamous. But even with the 99 missions, the little side missions were, a lot of them were retarded bullshit. It didn't manage to take away from my enjoyment of the game. But, yeah, a lot of the missions were just stupid bullshit. Well, you know, I, I, I kind of, I like the concept just because it'll give the game a little bit of a longer shelf life, especially because, you know, these, these sandbox games, once you beat the main campaign and you do a couple of side missions, you get bored. But, you know, the, the, the customization of the missions has potential to extend the longevity. But like you said, it could just be find this kid's balloon, stop this carjacking. Oh, look, the power's out of my building. You know, zap this fucking power cord so I can get that up. Exactly. It, you know, it, there's, there's, there's probability that it'll be good, but... You, you do raise a valid point that there there's more of a probability of it being complete bullshit. What I'm more interested in in terms of Infamous 2 news, you had mentioned how there were, like, different pre-order bonuses 
depending upon who you get it from. But Correct. then there's, they have a hero edition of the game where for 100 bucks you get a statue you get the bag of and a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah, you get all the pre-order bonuses from that you get from all the, the, the four different merchants. You get them all at once. You get a statue, you get a bag, and you get a... a um, Looks like you get like a water bottle or something, plus a comic and a soundtrack. So I mean, that actually looks like a special edition I would buy, because the statue actually looks decent. It doesn't look like that piece of shit we got for Darksiders. Yeah, it, it, it is very passable. I think the best pre-order bonus I've seen so far is with Mortal Kombat, where you get the bookends with a uh, scorpion. And, you know, he's throwing the spear and it's impaling a guy on the other side of a bookend. It's really, really well done. And um, also the uh, the tournament stick pre-order for Mortal Kombat as well, where the, the tournament stick is also the case where you can put the game inside the tournament stick. So, you know, pre-orders are definitely stepping their game up. I'm very happy to see Infamous uh, doing something special, especially because it has a lot of people, yourself included, that are fans. And I really like that they're trying to do something new in regards to making it uh, a longer title, especially, you know, they're adding the good and evil factors to it even more so, and it's more prevalent, especially with some video I've seen that I hopefully should be able to post this evening. I, I really think Infamous 2 will do well, but like you said, that mission creator is, is something that can either go severely great or severely terrible. And I'm hoping for the former. I, I hope so as well, especially because you are a, a, a true fan of the franchise, and I know you'll be very bummed if it takes a, a step towards fucking shitville. Well, I mean, I, I'm hoping for another great story and some good gameplay. I mean, I see from the trailers that, like, it seems from the beginning you get a lot of his old powers, and that a lot of them are beefed up, which is cool. But, again, I just hope the game lives up to the, the first because just like you said, you've seen a lot of bullshit movie games. We've seen a lot of bullshit sequels. Yeah, it's, it's really crazy. It's um, I, I honestly think that at this point there is, you know, the, the thing with video game sequels is that they they tend to go in a direction where they're going to try and use the same winning formula and then maybe throw a, a couple of innovations in there to keep the game relevant. But I honestly think that at this point, especially with something like Infamous, the, the franchise only scratched the surface of Cole's power, so you can do a lot with it. I, like I said, I just don't want it to be oversaturated with too many gimmicky additions that may in terms – you know, in turn, hinder the game to an extent. Well, in the first game, I mean, you had a lot of powers you didn't necessarily need, but they they were cool. Like, the sticky grenades, for example, they you didn't need them at all. But really, for most of the game, you didn't need anything more than his regular zap, but his, his side powers, his extra powers were just cool. Watching a, a bad guy run around with a freaking electric grenade stuck to his back was funny as hell. Well, you know, that those type of little things always enhance the gameplay, but I, I just, you know what it is? It, it, same thing with Prototype, even, or even Darksiders. These are games that they introduce, you know, 
a, a, a new realm of powers and they scratch only the surface of it. And then all of a sudden, it's like, boom. We, we're going to throw these 20 other things at you that we're not 100% sure are going to make the gameplay or the experience better. And they end up, sometimes the second entry ends up taking a complete giant shit. Yeah, because Dark Fighters, especially if you got the the armor at the end and the sword, by the time you got to the last boss, the game was ridiculously easy. Yeah, I mean, it is true. And Prototype, <laughs> that game, I don't know. By the time you got to the end, that last boss was ridiculously hard, especially since they put you on like a two-minute time limit to stop a nuclear explosion, but that's a whole other story. Prototype was very broken, but it was still a decent game with a very good story. But you know what it is? When you, even when you get into broken game category, it's um, when, you, when you get into broken game category, you can look past some of it, and then, you know, you pray for improvements. I think one thing, and, you know, I'll go on record, I, I had the fortune or misfortune, depending on who you ask, of playing the 50-cent game. And the funny thing about the 50-cent game is that when you first look at it, you're like, wow, this game is complete horseshit. But it's basically very similar to Gears of War. You know, it's a lot of cover and fire, cover and fire, cover and fire, which is great for, for some people. And, and, you know, with that, when you look at it from, from that point of view, it's a very enjoyable game. Yeah, you know, the consistent 50-cent soundtrack blasting in your ear may annoy some people, but it was actually quite enjoyable. Now, I'm sure that the sales volume for that game isn't going to merit a, th- a third game, but the fact that they actually took a formula, like something like Gears of War, and managed to wrap a story around it, as well as something involving 50-cent, was, was a novel approach. And with other franchises, especially with Infamous and even, you know, going as far as Prototype, it's the same thing. They have really deep stories, but you may lose sight of the stories if you start cramming it with extra gameplay shit. Very true. The One of the problems with Prototype was it wasn't exactly the same people, but a lot of the people who worked on Prototype worked on Spider-Man Web of Shadows, which was a very broken game. Bronx said, no, it wasn't Bronx, it was Ant. He got to a point in the game where he just got, he literally, his game got stuck. It got frozen and he couldn't play it anymore. He couldn't even reload it and play it. Like, if he loaded it, it would be stuck at the same point. I was lucky enough to be able to finish the game. But you can see bits of that game playing prototype. Yeah, well, you know, the influence... Go ahead, man. I was going to say, at some points, it's like Alex Mercer looks like they painted him over (laughs) Spider-Man. That's fucking hilarious. But but you know what it is? There are influences in there. I mean, the one thing with, with something like Infamous is that, you know, the sandbox gameplay and some of these new additions will bring in, you know, will bring old fans back and possibly make new fans. And hopefully they'll just continue on the same quality trend that they have. But, you know, it's something we'll definitely have to see. The only other thing I wanted to add was, you know, on the David Jeffy thing, 
I wanted to definitely congratulate him for stepping up and saying that um, a lot of developers on a lot of games are getting very lazy, and they're, they're starting to get like like movie producers. They're like, oh, we'll finish it in post. Yep. It's like, and it's very no, disheartening. You can't do that shit. And, and we're at a stage where when, when you drop $60 on a game and you put the disc in, it shouldn't be put the fucking disc in, and especially on the PS3. Oh, there's an update available for this title, and it's like click. And especially on the PS3, that shit takes like three hours. It's it, it, it's something that I feel is, is really poorly done, and it just shows that it's become more of an instant gratification uh, type deal with the gaming marketplace where it's like, oh, yeah, we got this game, we got this game, and, you know, we, we didn't get all the bugs out, but guess what? It's November, and we can make a shitload of money, so let's put it out. You know, a great example is Call of Duty multiplayer on the PS3. Anybody that plays Call of Duty on the PS3 has just said that it's practically unplayable at this point. Wow. Because, you know, but that's what I'm saying, because shit comes out broken. They're like, yeah, we'll fix it eventually. Yeah, but you know what it is? Those people that just paid the 60 bucks for that fucking game for multiplayer on the PS3, guess what happens now? If they end up getting a 360, guess what's getting the money for multiplayer? The 360 is. And then the PS3 is going to continue to be shitted on. It's, it's little things like that. Or, you know, uh, Marvel vs. Capcom 3, which... You know that I discussed on the fan page about the possibility of doing a community gaming night, and one of the things that Bronx and even everybody else was talking about was the fact that the game doesn't have lobbies. Super Street Fighter 4, which is an older game, has lobbies that you can play in, and you can still chat and watch the matches in spectator mode. How does this game, which is brand fucking new, not add those innovations to the game? Hey, guess what? Because we have to put the game out, and I bet you you'll get that in an update, which either you'll probably may have to pay for, or they'll bundle it so far down the road with other shit that they'll entice you to pay for it just to get lobbies in spectator mode. I really hope Capcom doesn't do that, but given the way shit is gone, I wouldn't be surprised if that's the route it went. Which is, again, it's, it's totally shit when you drop... It is shitty because let's look at, let's go back a few years on Capcom's fighting history on the PS3 and the Xbox 360 to a little downloadable game called Super Street Fighter Turbo. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> which, came with, which came with lobbies. There you go. And then Street Fighter 4 comes out and there's no lobbies. Yeah, how, how did that not make any... It, it, it boggles my mind. It's like, here's a downloadable game that has lobbies. How does that happen? Fighter, How the fuck Street Fighter does that 4 happen? never got lobbies. We had to wait for Super Street Fighter 4 to get lobbies. Now we got Marvel vs. Capcom 3, and again, we got no lobbies. So what does that mean? There's going to be a Super Marvel vs. Capcom 3 in a year that's $40 fucking dollars more, which basically means you spend $100 on the game again to get fucking lobbies? I got a good one for you. How about Marvel vs. Capcom 3 Hero Edition? Because you know it'll be some shit like that, and it'll probably have all the downloadable characters that you paid for first, plus lobbies, and probably one or two other things that are differentiated from the original. And they'll be like, yeah, you can get it for 40 bucks. You know, Capcom's going on record saying that they wouldn't do something like that, but I wouldn't be surprised if they did. Not at all. 
Well, what can you expect, dude? We'll see how it pans out. Anything else to add, my friend? Actually, while I have you on the on the phone, I will mention this, and you can help me close out the video game segment. These last two bit of news. Um, of course, Mortal Kombat, the new one, will be releasing April 19th in North America and April 21st in Europe. Now, there's going to be a demo being released on the PlayStation 3, and it's coming next week to the PlayStation Network. But here's the catch. The demo um, will be exclusive for PlayStation Plus subscribers for one week. Then the demo will be available to everyone March 15th. How do you feel about that? <laughs> if it's only one week, that's not so bad. I mean, PlayStation Plus members pay, uh, they pay, period. I mean, nobody else does. And I, I don't know the numbers versus the overall numbers of PlayStation 3 owners, but basically Sony does have to justify the fact that some poor souls out there are paying for premium content, so they got to give them something. So I don't, if it's a week, honestly, even if it were a month, I mean, more power to the people who pay for PSN, for, for, um, for PSN Plus. You know, I've contemplated doing it because I think it's $18 for three months, which, you know, whatever. It's not, it's not the worst thing in the world. And, you know, you get access to a lot of cool shit, and, and some shit you'll even get for free. So, you know, 18 bucks every three months, you know, you, you, you won't even see it. Because it's like, oh, yeah, you know, you put – dude, if you put, you know, five bucks aside every week for three weeks, you know, you, you'd make that money to cover it for three months. So it's not the worst concept ever. The only thing that bothers me is that a title, you know, is this going to be the new trend with uh, PSN Plus and even Xbox Gold subscribers where certain things will be completely exclusive and, you know, the, the, the poor man will get eliminated from the equation for possibly weeks and months on end. Again, I respect the fact that if you're paying for the content, you should be entitled to it, but you know, I, I always look at the bigger picture, and it concerns me that, you know, a lot of people are going to at some point just be forced to pay for all this shit so they don't get left out. Well, I'll put it like this. With Xbox, it's always been the case that gold versus silver, silver gets left out in the cold in certain areas. And it's not always for a time exclusive. Sometimes it's period. You don't get it. If PlayStation ever goes to the point where they they leave the regular PSN people out in the cold, then first of all, they better fix home and make that shit awesome. Yep. Which they're, they're working on. They better get a lot of first of all, not even fix it. How about release it? Because that shit is still a beta. <laughs> that is true. How do you have a beta for, like, three years? This is true. Secondly, I mean, you better get not just timed exclusives, but a lot of extra content and, you know, do it fast. And third of all, I mean, you're right that it's not a lot of money, but I don't like that three-month shit. That's like a bad porn subscription or, like, freaking Match.com. So yeah, but you know what it is? 
well, I think you can do a year, but you know what it is? The $18 model doesn't bother me because, I mean, I'm one of those weirdos that pays Xbox Live from month to month. And, you know, whatever, it's $8 or $9. And when you look at it on the Xbox Live side of things, it's like, all right, it's 9 bucks a month for, for argument's sake. In three months, it's $27. So, you know, for, the, for, the, for less than three months of Xbox Live, you get a couple of extra perks. Uh, again, I'm not, I'm not going to split hairs about which, which one is better and which experience is better because obviously you know that Xbox has a bit of, a, of an edge in regards to that. But I'm only saying it because, you know, 18 bucks the, the, the model, whether it's monthly or three months, or I, you can do a year. I just think that the model isn't the worst thing. I just feel that the exclusivity period is just going to end up hurting um, the, the little guy down the road that can't afford to pay for that aspect of, 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 of the um, subscription model. But again, it, it, it's going to be something that for some people, they're going to enjoy using it, and for others, they're just going to be like, fuck it, you know, I'll keep playing free until the wheels fall off. Well, honestly, I think as far as the poor man, uh, I mean, you think about it, a lot of people paid $600 for this console. Yep. <laughs> If you pay that much for the PS3 and you can't swing 18 bucks over three months, you're doing something wrong. Yeah. You you do have a point. <laughs> that that is a that is a, a great way to, to to look at it. But hey, either man, that you know, or in every... 2006 you used to sell drugs and you went legit. <laughs> well said, my friend. Well said. And, of course, the, the last bit of news after that was the fact that Bungie is working on an MMO. While at the Game Developers Conference, the lead engineer, David Aldridge, said that the next Bungie title is going to be a massively multiplayer action game. He added that the game won't be World of Warcraft in space. The game will be published by Activision, and there will be more information available probably later on this year. What do you think about um, Bungie stepping into the MMO marketplace on on a console. Um uh remember a little game called ATB? Yeah, we know how that shit went. Yeah, that's that's pretty much what I gotta say about that. <laughs> I'm saying Bungie might wanna might wanna not do that. Because the only MMO that's working on consoles right now is D C Universe Online. Well D C Universe Online was was interesting just because they made sure to to really reinforce the fact that this was going to be an active community, that there were going to be live servers, that there was going to be ample playing time. So they made sure to, to, to squeeze as much into that game as possible to ensure that it would have a decently long shelf life. If, if Bungie does something like that, which they could do, I see it being successful. I'm just worried that they're just going to do a Halo Universe MMO. Which they probably are. But the thing exactly. is, the reason why a game like ATB failed and the Bungie, whatever they were going to call it and make it, would probably also fail is you have nobody characters. You have basically Bungie has created literally one character that has not even a face, but I, I, I want to say a face because it's under a fucking helmet. But you have, well, 
sorry, two characters, and one of them ain't even playable because she's a hologram. Right. And um, with DC Universe Online, whether you pick a pre-made character or make your own, you're walking into a universe where you can turn around and suddenly be getting fucked up by Superman. This is very true. Because you can be the characters that are already made or make your own, and you're going to encounter the real characters in the universe plus whatever everybody else made. So there's incentive to go in there regardless of whether or not your friends are playing. Of course, there's incentive to play with your friends so as to not get fucked up, but there's there's something that's going to be there for you. It's like you come out the next day and say, I just kicked Batman's ass or Superman beat the piss out of me. That is very, very, very true. ATV had non-playable characters, and they didn't even have that. You have nobody established in APB or in this Bungie game for the, the players to look forward to, and DC Universe has that. True indeed. So that's why DC Universe would be almost impossible for it to fail, as long as you have both playable and non-playable characters that are recognizable DC faces, you got a shitload of characters to, to choose from. Some who are like super powerful and plastic man. <laughs> Fucking plastic man. Fucking you, you, Technically, Mr. you could still get your ass kicked by. But, I Fucking mean... Plastic man, the, mis- the Mr. Fantastic with fucking Dow syndrome of the DC universe. <laughs> fucking Plastic man. The only fucking redeeming fat quality that Plastic man has was his fucking cartoon. That is it. Other than that, it's mm-hmm. like, look, I turned into a fucking parachute. <laughs> the only redeeming quality that Plastic man had was his wife. Yeah, well, that, that, that also, but... You know we're not gonna we're not gonna deep, delve deep into that because that'll turn into a completely different segment. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, you'll jump to the movie news with the announcement that there's a Plastic Man movie coming out, and it's in so, 3D. You never know, dude. There is a Stretch Armstrong movie coming out though. And it's probably also in fucking 3D. It is in 3D, actually. <laughs> of course, but, um, of course it is. There you go. Anything else to add, my friend? <laughs> Not right now, man. Alright, dude. Later. Uh, talk to you later. Alright, with that and that lovely segue, let's talk movies, shall we? <laughs> I actually got a direct message from Twitter from Bloodstain Lane. Um, unfortunately, he got caught up watching the UFC on Versus event and fell asleep. <laughs> so um, he, of course, extended his apologies, and he will be back on at a later date. Uh, definitely got to give a shout-out to him nonetheless, of course, for still getting back to me and letting me know what's good. Uh, check out his latest video, like I said, with Greg Jackson and also his coverage of the Strike Force event. Um, it's youtube.com slash the team takeover. And you can also follow him on Twitter at Bloodstain Lane. So definitely let him know 
that you missed his appearance on MTR, and he will definitely be back sooner rather than later. So it's no bi- it's no biggie, folks. The show will go on as usual. All right, let's talk some movies, shall we? First off, Devil May Cry the movie. Yeah, it's going to happen. It seems that Sony Screen Gems, uh, the masterminds behind the Resident Evil franchise, have decided, hey, let's get the rights for Devil May Cry and do something in, in making another big video game movie franchise. For the screenplay, Screen Gems has hired Kyle Ward, who wrote the Kane and Lynch movie, which hasn't even been out yet. Uh, basically, the story is going to center around Dante as he avenges his mother's murder via killing as many demons as possible. So, yeah, Devil May Cry flick. Shocker? Not so much. I'm surprised it took this long for that to happen. Inception, which, of course, is a really weird movie, has some sequels. It seems that the cast has signed on for sequels. Warner Brothers is rumored to be interested in continuing with the franchise if Christopher Nolan is in agreement. Back in December, Nolan said the following about the possibility. As for movie sequels, it's not something I want to say no to, but it's not something I've given a lot of thought about. So we may be seeing more Inception. In some Red Sonja movie news, yeah, I never thought I'd say that this week, Amber Heard has expressed interest in playing Red Sonja. She stated the following, I was sort of surprised to hear about it. I think Abby said, even said himself that I would be good. She, she doesn't know it yet. So I was surprised, but it's also something I've been looking at for a while and kind of interested in. I'm definitely interested in being part of it, but that's all I can kind of comment on right now. Of course, Amber Heard can be seen in Drive Angry 3D. Um, I'm not too sure about her as Red Sonja. I think she's uh, very small, in my opinion, for the role. Red Sonja is a, uh, pretty much an Amazon. She's a, a, a strong woman on a Wonder Woman type of level. And, I mean, you know, I put the motion poster for Conan on the site, and he's done, that guy's done a good job of transforming himself into Conan. Um, Maybe she can just as easily hit the gym and transform herself. Me, personally, if I can cast somebody for Red Sonja, I would go, I wouldn't go Jessica Biel just because, I mean, I always try to use her because she's a a more fit actress. I would actually go, and, and a lot of people might think I'm crazy, but I would go with actually... Beth Phoenix, WWE wrestler, uh, just because she would work as Red Sonya for multiple reasons. She looks strong, uh, she's good-looking, and I see it just working better, in my honest opinion. I'm sure that those of you out there have your own casting choices. Maybe I'll set something up on the site and see, or even on the fan page, and see that if you can choose someone to play Red Sonya, who would you choose? You know what, maybe I'll put that on the fan page, so keep an eye out for that. I'd definitely be interested in seeing what the listeners can come up with. In regards to the Bourne Legacy movies, they are already working on possible casting choices. Thus far, it's been narrowed down to Joel Egerton, Josh Hartnett, Jake Gyllenhaal, Tobey Maguire, Paul Dano, Michael Pitt, Oscar Isaac, Garrett Hedlund, Michael Fassbender, Luke Evans, Alex Pettifer, Taylor Kitsch, and Benjamin Walker. Tony Gilroy is interested in directing a script that he wrote to do The Bourne Legacy. Out of that entire cast, I would only go probably with uh, Jake Gyllenhaal. I would also probably go with uh, Josh Hartnett. And 
I would even go as far as Garrett Hedlund. Those are guys that can kind of fit the uh, the Bourne franchise. They look built for it. Some of these other guys, not so sure about. With the popularity of the graphic novel series, The Walking Dead, it was all, it was obviously a no-brainer that other comic book properties were going to be considered for TV series. Right now, there is a television pilot being greenlit on FX for Powers, which is based on the comic book by Brian Michael Bendis and uh, Michael Avon Oming. Of course, Bendis confirmed the information via his Twitter account. The pilot is being written by Kevin Falls, and it's about a police detective in charge of investigating superhero-related homicides. So I'm definitely going to be watching that with great interest. I've read a couple of issues of Powers. It's a great book. So to see it translate to the small screen is going to be something very interesting, especially on something like FX, which is a great channel for programming like that. So definitely keep an eye out for Powers, possibly coming to FX in the near future. All right, and some Superman casting news. We've got a couple of things to discuss this week. Uh, rumored for the part of General Zod right now is either Viggo Mortensen or Daniel Day-Lewis to play the role of General Zod in Zack Snyder's Superman. Also announced this week was the casting of Diane Lane as Superman's mother. I think that either Viggo Mortensen or Daniel Day-Lewis would be fantastic actors to play General Zod. If I had to be a betting man, I would go with Daniel Day-Lewis. I mean, he... Daniel Day-Lewis is well known for playing just really villainous, evil motherfuckers. Um, if you look at There Will Be Blood, if you look at Bill the Butcher and Gangs of New York, and you, and you see those portrayals and visualize something like that for General Zod, you can actually see that an actor like Daniel Day-Lewis would be a, a, a shoo-in for that. Not, not to say that Viggo Mortensen doesn't have the intensity or the presence to do that, but I just feel that Daniel Day-Lewis and something like that would be the better actor. Now, if there's going to be more physical stuff being done, then I would go lean a little bit more toward a little bit more towards Viggo Mortensen. But we're going to see how that pans out because those are the only two guys I've heard rumored thus far. Let's talk some box office totals. Moving up to number one this week out of nowhere was Nomeo and Juliet. Number two was Hall Pass. I don't know who the fuck paid money for that. The Unknown was number three. Just Go With It was four. I Am Number Four was five. Justin Bieber was six. The King's Speech was seven. Big Mamas Like Father Like Son was eight. Drive Angry was nine. And The Roommate was ten. Here's some what-the-fuck movie news for you guys, because, of course, we wouldn't escape an episode of MTR without it. Uh, Channing Tatum is rumored to be starring in a film called Peter Pan Begins. It'll be an origin story, of course, based on the character by J.M. Barry. According to The Hollywood Reporter, Alice in Wonderland producer Joe Roth and screenwriter Billy Ray are involved. The project has been offered to a couple of studios, but no one has confirmed anything yet. So let me get this straight. Hip-hop dancing Duke from G.I. Joe is going to don a pair of green, of green tights and fly around screaming, you can fly, you can fly? Yeah, not so much. I think he would definitely have to turn in his fucking man card for that because... He is the least likely person to play fucking Peter Pan. Why not just cast Clay Aiken at this point? It, he would have at least a little bit more fucking validity to the fucking role as opposed to, as opposed to doing Channing Tatum as fucking Peter Pan. Yuck. How are they going to cast the G.I. Joe's Channing Tatum as Peter Pan? Yeah, boy. Like some shit like that. Ugh, it'll fucking suck. 
In some sequel news, Percy Jackson and the Olympians, The Lightning Thief, is getting a sequel. It's going to be Percy Jackson, Percy Jackson and the Olympians, The Sea of Monsters. Chris Columbus, who directed the first film, will come back as a producer, yet no director has been named as of yet. Logan Lerman is expected to return as Percy along with the other leads. The first film made $226.5 million worldwide on a $95 million budget. In some Batman movie news, there's a couple of things that are rumors as of this point, but I want to share with you guys because according to the Badass Digest, Catwoman, Bane, and Talia Al Ghul are all going to be involved. Um, There's going to be a story pretty much that Catwoman will not be a villain but an ally for Batman. As of right now, it seems that Catwoman and Batman will be teaming up to take on the League of Shadows, headed by Talia Al Ghul, with Bane as her muscle-slash-possible love interest. In addition to that, the site has added that Joseph Gordon-Levitt will also be playing a villain in the film, but they're not sure who. Anne Hathaway, of course, is playing Selina Kyle, Tom Hardy is playing Bane, and Marion Cotillard is up for the role of Talia, allegedly. According to what they're saying, the League of Shadows, of course, which was headed by Ross Al Ghul, um, is going to be the focal point. Bane, of course, spent time with Ross Al Ghul in the comic book shortly after he broke Batman's back in the Nightfall storyline. So that involvement I can definitely see. Uh, Ross Al Ghul had considered Bane an heir and possible husband for Talia. Of course, that didn't happen in the comics, and Bane sought out Batman because he might be the son of Dr. Thomas Wayne, which is not true, of course. Also, Liam Neeson said he would not be returning to play Ross Al Ghul, so they'll probably go with Talia being the head of the League of Assassins and possibly going with this rumored storyline again. We still have to see where Joseph Gordon-Levitt's involvement fits into all this, and it's definitely going to be interesting to see how it shapes up. I definitely see Catwoman being more of an ally or also just being a villain in the beginning leading to becoming an ally of Batman as usual. But it's something that, again, it's all rumored as of this point, but I figured I'd share with you guys to see what you guys think down the road. According to Latino Review, the primary villain for the upcoming Marvel film, The Avengers, will be Loki, the god of mischief, which, of course, is being played in four by Tom Hiddleston. If this is true, check this out. Uh, the Loki, Loki's going to need some serious muscle to go up against the Avengers, and he does this by using the cosmic cube seen in Captain America, the first Avenger. Loki uses the cube to get a hold of the aliens, a.k.a. the Skrulls, to invade Earth to fight the Avengers. Interesting, if true, and I'm sure that at some point Loki will, of course, use his magic to involve the Hulk in some shape, way, or form. And I can actually see this panning out exactly as I see it on my screen. How true will it be? remains to be seen. In some sequel and prequel news, it seems that Blade Runner is being prepared for the sequel and prequel treatment. Company founders for Alcon Entertainment, uh, Broderick Johnson and Andrew Cassol, are in final discussions to secure film, television, and ancillary franchise rights. The deal will not include the right to remake the original, but the company, however, may produce projects based on situations introduced in the original film. As of right now, it seems that they may be doing a prequel or sequel. And, of course, Johnson and Kosso have added that we have long-term goals for the franchise and are exploring multi-platform concepts, not just limiting ourselves to one medium only. Very interesting to see. I think that Blade Runner was a very well-done film, and I don't really know if sequels or prequels are going to be something that people will embrace so readily. 
In some Wonder Woman TV show news, Elizabeth Hurley confirmed via Twitter that she will be on the NBC pilot for Wonder Woman playing an evil villain. The pilot, the pilot of course, is going to be a reinvention of the DC title uh, Wonder Woman, which is going to involve Diana Prince as a vigilante fighting crime in Los Angeles. She's also going to have uh, the alter ego of a successful corporate executive and a modern woman trying to balance all the elements of her extraordinary life. So, as of right now, I feel it's going to be a steaming pile of shit, but we shall see. And, of course, as, as, as a bit of news that should come as no surprise, Lucasfilm and 20th Century Fox announced today that Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace, will be released in 3D on February 10th, 2012. How's that strike you guys? You know that the tickets are going to be like 20 bucks in 3D, and um, yeah, it's going to make billions and billions of fucking dollars. And last but not least, in some sequel news to wrap things up, IGN has reported that Sony Screen Gems has already secured a release for Resident Evil 5 with Mila Jovovich, who will again return as Alice, and that release date, folks, September 14, 2012. There's no word yet if Paul W.S. Anderson will be involved, but another Resident Evil is definitely in the works. And with that, we just breeze through this entire show. Um, I will jump back a bit and say that UFC 127 was solid from start to finish. I'm not going to go through all the fights because at this point it would just be uh, dragging the show out longer than it should, but definitely... You guys obviously know I will touch on a few things. The Michael Bisping-Jorge Rivera fight, of course, had a lot of emotion. Uh, There was an an illegal knee thrown by Bisping at one point in the fight, which was a little fucked up. Bisping ended up winning uh, via TKO in the second round. Uh, The car, you know, Michael Bisping did have a point deduction for the knee. Shortly after the fight was over, there was a heated exchange between Bisping and Jorge Rivera's corner, which resulted in Michael Bisping... Uh, you doing some unsportsmanlike conduct and spitting on the corner of Jorge Rivera. So definitely going to be interesting to see what type of fines or suspensions are levied against Bisping based on his actions. And, of course, that got the attention of Chael Sonnen, who is off suspension. So we shall see how that pans out. The John Fitch-BJ Penn bout, which I thought was going to end pretty decisively either for Fitch or Penn, actually ended up in a draw. This is the second draw that I've seen as of late, definitely not good. Whether they get a rematch or not remains to be seen, but I don't know, man. A lot of people were bummed out. People felt that Penn definitely had the first. I also felt that. The second round seemed definitely tied, but Fitch did take the third. So the draw was obviously a no-brainer at this point. I know some people saw B.J. Penn winning the fight completely, including Matt Hughes, but who knows? What they do from here remains to be seen. That's going to wrap up this week's show, folks. Um, I've got to throw out a couple of plugs, of course, to uh, Razor Rob, who will be fighting for Bellator soon and possibly be back on the show for the St. Patrick's Day episode. We shall see what happens with that. But you can check out his site, RazorClothing.tv. Of course, a shout-out to Bloodstained Lane's YouTube channel. It's YouTube.com slash The Team Takeover. Uh, we will definitely be rescheduling and we will have him on soon. So for those of you that tuned in this week expecting to hear uh, Bloodstained Lane uh, blow up all over My Take Radio with all his craziness, don't worry, you'll get your wish. Of course, a shout-out to the crew at Beantown Gamer for all their hard work, as always, and their increasing support of MTR, as well as Gamer Fit Nation, 
DualShockers.com, the crew from the CVP podcast. Thank you guys for having me on yesterday. I look forward to having you guys on very soon, maybe as soon as the end of March. We shall see what happens with that. Uh, the CVP episode that I was on will be on MyTakeRadio.com probably later on this evening or at some point Friday. Got to throw a shout-out to the VGN crew of Video Game News Radio. You can check out their site, VGNRadio.com, for all their show info. And, of course, Don Anderson's Tumbling with Tumbleweed, which is Tuesdays at 10 p.m. on the Blog Talk Radio Network. You can also check out uh, Tumbling with Tumbleweed's page on Facebook. Just look up Tumbling with Tumbleweed and show your support and become a fan. Last but not least, of course, MMAValor.com, the crew at MMA Gospel and MMA Gospel Radio, which you can listen to Wednesdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern on the Blog Talk Radio Network. Got to throw a quick shout-out to the ladies at GirlGamer and GamingAngels.com as well for supporting MTR. Uh, Darksiders, of course. Hayden Dalton. You can follow Hayden Dalton on WordPress. Just go into uh, People I Follow and you can find him there. And, of course, BornStubberRadio.com. Check those uh, guys out. They do some really great work. Blaine, besides assisting in the redesign of MTR 3.0, runs a really badass podcast, which is Born Stubber Radio. They talk about movies. They talk about music. Um, they talk about video games. Yeah, they got some really great tunes from the Day Street Brothel. So definitely check out BornStubberRadio.com. And, of course, the crew at 411mania.com for their great work. MMA Junkie, of course, for all their great MMA coverage. Film Drunk, definitely got to have Vince on soon to talk about some movies because FilmDrunk.com is definitely your source for really, really caustic movie news. So definitely check them out. And, of course, the always awesome OCRemix.org for their great intro and outro music that they have provided for My Take Radio every week. That's pretty much it, folks. You just heard My Take Radio, episode 81, for Thursday, March 3rd, 2011. If you want to be a guest, have questions or concerns, or just want to hit me up with some fucking criticism or hate mail, host at mytakeradio.com is the address to use. Worst case, you can also use host at gmail.com. If you're on Twitter and want to follow MTR, you can follow us at mytakeradio.com. And if you want to follow my personal account, which as of late has kind of fallen by the wayside since I've been using the show account so much, you can follow it at Akuma25, A-K-U-M-A, the number 25. I've been getting a lot of requests to share my gamer tag with you guys. If you guys want to link up and play some EA MMA or Marvel vs. Capcom 3 or any other game, uh, stop by the Facebook fan page and just uh, drop a line, and I will share my gamer tag with you guys because I think if I shared it on the air, with the amount of listeners we've been getting as of late, I think I will run out of room on my Xbox Live friends list or my PSN friends list. So definitely just hit me up via the fan page or via Twitter, and we can definitely set something up. And also keep be on the lookout for the My Take Radio game night uh, with our MTR staff as well as some of the MTR listeners. Uh, just an, uh, another way for you guys to find worthy competition in some of your favorite games. Once all the details are ironed out, I will definitely be announcing it on our Facebook fan page as well as on MyTakeRadio.com and even on the show. That's it, folks, for this week. I will catch you guys next week. We will definitely have a guest who I don't know, but definitely be on the lookout. Catch you guys later. Peace. Taking us out this week will be the Vegas Stage Mass Man, by Nutritious from OCRemix.org.